Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon from lead pastor Jamie Miller. Before we get going, I want to do a couple of different things. We've had a, a family mission trip going on this. Anybody participating in that? I see a few shirts around. And uh, I, I heard that we had 75 of our number uh, doing this uh, family mission trip to Fort Worth. You've heard of mission trips to other places. We had close to 120 last year go to different parts of the world. Well, we've got 75 going to our own city, which I think is really cool. And so some of the things that I got a little text that I was supposed to mention, uh, did service projects at two schools in Wedgwood, at River Tree, and at Crazy Eight. Had 75 participate with some salvations, praise the Lord, and an awesome outreach at the Fountain Apartments where we gave out winter clothing and served over 100 people lunch. And I saw some pictures with Muslim, you know, just Muslim background folks and and uh, really, really awesome. So there's a lot of refugees over there. Praise the Lord. Um, before I jump in here too, I just want to uh, honor my, my brother, uh, Jim Reynolds. I, he didn't know I was going to do this, but but Jim, uh, well, he's been my field supervisor for my for my doctorate. But um, we're just great friends, and we've been friends for thirty years. And Jim just recently stepped down from the pulpit at Lake Highlands Church in Dallas after decades of preaching. And uh, it's weird seeing you sitting in the audience here in the congregation and not up here doing something, but I just am so thankful for your life, for the faithfulness and the way you've served God, and it's appropriate that we bless you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for Jim. Amen. Okay, open your Bibles to Acts chapter 11, verse 25 and 26. Amen. Father, bless the reading of your word today. Stir our hearts with vision to be more like the church that we read about in the Bible, in the book of Acts. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm just reading from, I'm going to get to, I'll make the point here in just a second, but I want to read right in the middle of this passage about the church in Antioch. And uh, verse 25, Barnabas had gone down, seen all the grace of God, and he leaves Antioch for a little bit. Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. And so for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people, and the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. So here's what I want to do this morning. You know, last week, I I just thought, hey, we're changing. After 25 years, we've been Christ Fellowship. We've changed our name to Antioch. And I thought, wow, this would be a great time to just learn a few lessons from the church in Antioch. I've been inspired by these guys for Sounds like I know him, but uh, inspired, inspired by these guys for years, for a long, long time. And so last week we talked about the fact that they knew the Lord Jesus, they preached the Lord Jesus, and, the, and Jesus was revealing to them the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when we really know God, that's a big deal because of how you, how you understand God, your understanding of God will affect how you see salvation you know, is, is he the, the ruler who's just trying to get you to keep the rules and he saves you so that you can keep the rules? Or is he, does he love you and want to bring you into relationship with him? Then that's going to affect the way you view salvation, the way you view the church and the way you view the mission. Those things are all linked together. 
And so we were talking about that last week. We talked about how the grace of God was at work in their midst. The walls were coming down. People were loving each other. Um, Just all these different things that were happening as visible signs. And so Barnabas comes, and he's somebody that can actually see the grace of God. And so we want to be people that expect the kind of people that expect to see the grace of God when we're out in our lives, we're looking for it. I'm looking for the grace. I'm looking for how God's moving. I want to be that kind of person. So that's what we talked about last week. And then this week, something wonderful happened. I, I just, we were, we sit down and we've got a few different contexts where we talk about sermons and we were just kind of praying through this passage. And I thought, man, I want to, I want to spend a little bit of time. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. They got a new name. You know, we're getting a new name. They got a new name. I want to explore that and tease that out a bit and just see what the Lord might be saying to us. And here's the thing I want to start with. It's that the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. They were called Christians first at Antioch. But check it out. They were disciples, right? Everybody everybody tracking? They were disciples, and then they were called Christians. And just for some perspective here, you know, in the New Testament, Disciple or disciples, that word is used 283 times to describe the believers. Christians, the word is used three times. 283 times, three times. Now, it's it's not wrong. There's lots of different names, the followers, the way, all these different things, ways of describing people that were believers and followers of Jesus. But the point here is that in the modern era, this whole thing about being a disciple and being a Christian, we've kind of flipped that. So Christian, we've kind of flipped that and made that first and then made the disciple thing optional. Are you tracking with me a little bit there? I don't know all the reasons that's happened, but I can probably think of one that, you know, if you go back to the Reformation, one of the things they discovered in the Reformation was the wonderful truth of justification by faith. You know, that that we're not saved by our works, but that God's done it and we put our faith in Him. And in Jesus Christ. But what's happened down through the years, we've so emphasized that, that truth that, um, that somehow there's been a separation from believing and salvation to actually following and discipleship. And it's almost like discipleship's become this optional thing for the really, you know, committed, serious kinds of Christians, right? And so, but that's not the way it ought to be. Jesus said, come follow me. All this, I mean, there's some hard stuff Jesus said to do. Come follow me. And believing had with it a holistic, all of life kind of context of I'm in. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm all the way in. And so, you know, for me, down through these last, I don't know, 20 years or so, I've been following just what's going on in our country. And, and uh, Barna did some statistics a long time ago where he, he, I, I'm going through puberty, where where, where he found out that that, uh, 80% of American adults identify themselves as Christian. You a Christian? I'm a Christian. 80%. But a lot of that's kind of cultural stuff. Seriously, because he also did a study and found out that only 9% of the 80, so you got 80%, we're in. But only 9% of those had a basic biblical worldview that where you, Jesus died for our sins, the Bible's the Word of God, um, you know, uh, th- th- there's a, a, a devil who's real, just basic, I mean, six things, I think, was the total deal. And so for years, I've looked at this gap 
and said, man, something's up with that. You know, we, we, want to, uh, we want to see more of the 80 walking in the reality and it's not just be this confusing kind of blur of we're all Christians because we drive by a church somewhere, you know, on our way to work. I'm, I'm kidding a little bit. That's a, but, but I mean, that's what cultural Christianity is. It's just that's our culture. We're Americans. We're kind of Christian. But there's a difference between that and following Jesus. I came across another study this week from uh, sociological science. It's something that came through because of Baylor uh, across my desk. And they identified that a big part, there's, there's this rising trend right now of nuns. Nuns. N-O-N-E-S. Not... Uh, <laughs> not those gals. But nuns. N-O-N-E-S. Which means no religious affiliation. Right? And that number is skyrocketing. It's... it's it, and it's been driving me crazy. Like even in Fort Worth and Tarrant County, that number's rising like crazy. But this study that just came out, what they found out was that the, the nuns are growing from the marginal Christians. That's who's, that's who's, that's who's becoming nuns or the, the marginal, not, you know, uh, uh, and, and, and what they also found out was that those who are really committed to their faith, that's not going down at all. It's actually increasing. They, I don't like this word, but they called, they called us intensely religious. <laughs> People that believe that Jesus Christ died for their sins and are trying to follow Him and believe the Bible's true. And, and, and so intensely, let's turn that into something happy. <laughs> you know, it, sounds, it sounds serious. Does that make sense, though? That gap that is, we've kind of said, man, I think there's some reality to that, is actually now it's getting clearer and so what we want to do is be people that are clear about the reality of following Jesus Christ in our lives. We want to be marked by Him. We want to be saturated by Him in our thinking, our lives, our attitudes, our smiles, our joy, our love, who we are as people. We want to walk in that, the reality. That's what I called this, the reality of a new name. And so in Acts chapter 11, you've got all this stuff that's happening. We touched on a bunch of it last week, but they're believing the good news of Jesus Christ. They're sharing the good news. They're crossing boundaries. Just, I mean, if you look in this room, there's all different kinds of folks and backgrounds, and that's what happened because of Jesus. Jesus, He helps. When we get filled up with Jesus, we want to cross boundaries. We want to share what's rocked our world and changed our life. We want to share with others. And that's what was going on in Acts 11. The grace of God was flowing in their midst. They were sharing. The favor of the Lord was on them. The Lord was adding to their number over and over again. You got glad-hearted encouragers like Barnabas coming in and saying, hey, follow Jesus with all your heart. Remain true to Him with all that you are. And so that's what's going on. Then they become, they're using spiritual gifts. They got prophetic people. They're, they're being generous. They're sharing with other people. And they're ultimately sending out people to go to other parts of the world to share the gospel. I, I love that. I am, I'm just, uh, I've been marked by this. And, and I want to, I just, I want to see, I want to be a part of helping to see this become our reality more and more. I just can't let, let hold, let go of that that vision from all those years ago to, that we would be a life-giving, multiplying, reproducing, Christ-manifesting church. And as we talked about last week, adding M-E-E to the LGMRCMC, that we would be a multi-ethnic epicenter, life-giving, multiplying, reproducing, Christ-manifesting church. 
Second or third time I've said that, something, maybe. So what happened? What went on with Acts, with the church in Antioch, was something happened. They, there was a convergence of some things that just came together and like here, like the, a movie would do it like this, like, something clicked. They, they stepped into the, the zone on some things. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to share a few stories about this. And the main thing is this. The church will change the world as we live at the intersection of devotion to Jesus, devotion to one another, and devotion to God's mission that He's called us to be a part of, to change the world, okay, to, to the world around us. So this, we want to talk about the intersection here for a little bit this morning. I'm going to make these points real quick, and I want to get on to a story from history that will help kind of put some handles on this. So first of all, devotion to Jesus. These guys, they were preaching Jesus. They were crossing boundaries because something had happened on the inside of them. They'd been touched by God. They've, they'd come to know Jesus in a life-giving way. Verse 21, the Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. And so ultimately, you know, what God is doing in salvation, ultimately what God's doing in our lives, what He's wanting to do in the world is bring us into His love for Jesus Christ. The Father is wanting to bring us right smack into His love for Jesus Christ that they share in the fullness and anointing and love of the Holy Spirit. So just right, that's, that's where this thing is going. John 17, 26, Jesus is praying. It's the last prayer, high priestly prayer. He prays before He goes to the cross. And he says, Father, I've made You known to them and will continue to make You known in order that the love that You have for Me, the love that You have for Me, may be in them. And I want to spend some more time on that next week. We're going to talk about passion for Jesus next week. So I'm not covering the fullness of that subject. I was talking with James earlier. He goes, oh, I think it'll be okay for you to talk about loving Jesus again next week. So we're, we're going to get two weeks in a row. But uh, so devotion to Jesus is something that got inside them and started being expressed by them. But it start, you can't have devotion for Jesus and not want to touch other people in your life. So that's the second piece, devotion to Jesus and then devotion to one another. The church, again, like we said last week, it's not a holding tank for saved people. It's absolutely integral to God's eternal purpose for changing the world. So when we love Jesus, and then all of a sudden we start getting His heart, we're going to start getting His heart for people. That's the way that, and that's why we're known for love. This is how they're going to know that you're my disciples, is you love. And so devotion to Jesus, devotion to one another in the church. How many times... In the New Testament, I think 59 one another's, all those love one another's, serve one another, encourage one another's, you know, care each other's burdens. That was the verse for the day on my Bible app, carry each other's burdens, you know. So it's all of that stuff. That's devotion to one another. And then the third piece is devotion to the mission. And so you've got all this life-giving joy and energy and encouragement and wholehearted devotion to God going on in Antioch. And then they take up an offering for the church in Jerusalem. Barnabas and Saul in chapter 12, they head up to Jerusalem. And at the end of chapter 12, they come back. And then in Acts chapter 13, so again, there's so much life and love bubbling up from within this church that it can't be contained. And that's the people that we want to be. We want to have so much life for God and love for God, 
flowing and bubbling in our midst, so much love for one another flowing in our midst that it cannot, it cannot be contained. It spills over and people are called out to other places. That's totally what we want to be about. And so devotion to the mission then, Acts 13, verse 1, they get back there. And in the church at Antioch, verse 1, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up in, with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshiping and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And so that's what that's I mean, you just we want to be about that. We want to be about that whole process happening and being people that have so much life and reality here that we really would be a new name kind of people. There's a longing in our hearts for this. There's a longing that we would be that, have that kind of devotion. There's a longing that we would have that kind of love. There's a longing that we would participate in what God's doing. On It gives meaning to our lives to participate in the mission of God like this. It's, it's, it's something we long for. Now, I'll say this. Sometimes we could do one of those things, devotion to Jesus, or really loving other people well, or I'm just all about the mission and doing good and helping others, you know, but putting all three of those together is a big deal. Sometimes people are even good at two of them, but not three. You know, Jesus and the church, it's all about us. Or Jesus and the mission, I don't really see the church. I don't know why people even go. I just, let's get out there and do something. You know, and a lot of those different kind of options, they lead to burnout and a less than a whole ongoing, life-giving kind of thing that God's called. We need all three. Devotion to Jesus, to one another, and to the mission. So let me just uh, back up here and, and tell a story because down through the years, this has happened in different pockets of brothers and sisters around the world. It's happening right now around the world like crazy in different pockets where this, this overlap is happening and there's movements that are out of control, just going like crazy, going gangbusters. So one I want to tell you about is the Moravians. And if you can go ahead and put the little slide up there. Anybody ever heard of the Moravians? Okay, great. Bunch of you guys and others can, can learn. So basically, I, I did some research on this a uh, number of years back, and, and it just this little framework has stuck with me. I call it the Moravian intersection, and that's what we're talking. It's, it's the Acts 11 intersection, but it's also the Moravian intersection. And for a while, these guys lived in this place where there was this overlap between devotion to Jesus, devotion to one another, and devotion to the mission. And so let me tell you their, their story. 1700s. Uh, there was a guy named Nicholas Ludwig von Zinzendorf. Zinzendorf was a cool, he was a count, and uh, he was a German nobility, Bavarian nobility. And he had a lot of land, and he was ultimately approached by this, by this group of people that they were from the brethren background. They, had been, they were disciples of a guy named John Huss, who was burned at the stake for just, you know, preaching against indulgences and st some stuff like that. And uh, so they were kind of his spiritual descendants. They were called the unitus fratrum. So a Latin word means the unity of the brethren. And so these guys were persecuted. And remember one of the things we talked about last week, the story behind the story is that the church was persecuted. And then on the other side of that, they stayed faithful. And on the other side of that, they made a difference 
and they change the world. So here you've got some persecuted brethren, and they come and approach Zinzendorf about living on his land. Can we, we're being persecuted, can we live on your land? And he says, yes. And so here's a bit of the story behind the story about Zinzendorf. Zinzendorf was raised as a German pietist. He was, his family was tremendously devout to the Lord. And his grandmother, they had the early meetings of German pietism in her house. The leader of that movement was named uh, Philip Spiner. And, and Philip Spiner literally at one point placed his hand on Zinzendorf, who he saw great devotion in this young guy's life. And he says, your destiny is to go and expand the kingdom of God and preach the wonderful name of Jesus. There is power in our blessing, right? Let's, br- let's bless each other. Let's speak destiny and hope because that's what happened. Zinzendorf ends up going off to university at the University of Halle. And while he's there, uh, he starts a deal called uh, the, uh, the uh, Order of the Mustard Seed. The Order of the Mustard Seed. And the, these guys came together. And here they are. He's 15 years old. He started, he's a leader. He's starting a deal. And their, their common purpose is to spread the kingdom of God and the good news about Jesus Christ among all peoples of the world and express His love to them. That was their, that's what they were trying to do. Okay, cool. So he eventually gets back to his own place, but he loves God. I mean, he is devoted to God. He talked often about that he would kept a conversation going with Jesus every day throughout his whole life. And at the end of his life, his love had not burned out whatsoever. He loved Jesus Christ with all of his heart and life. Pretty cool. So he welcomes these, uh, these brethren, the, the Moravians, and he kind of becomes their leader. And they're kind of fractured. They had a couple different groups there, and there's some doctrinal stuff they were kind of working through. And he ends up in March of 1727 writing a deal up for them, and everybody signed it and said, you know what, we're going to stop this bickering. We're going to commit to love each other. And on the other side of that unity, just a few months later, August 13th, 1727, they have what is called the Moravian Pentecost. They're in, they're in a meeting where they're sharing the Lord's Supper and communion and worshiping the Lord. And they said the Holy Spirit fell on the meeting and it was so wonderful that they could not even describe the holiness of what happened behind those closed doors. Their lives were rocked, changed. And uh, the, the whole community takes off. Basically, it's, it's 300 people. You know, it's just it's 300 people. And they end up changing the world. A few years later... They've been hearing from different missionaries. They're praying about missionaries and things. This one guy from St. Thomas, a former slave, comes in and tells them about the great need there. Malaria, just people need Jesus so bad. And these two guys, Leonard Dober and David Nitchman, they say, you know what? We think we're called to go. And we will even sell ourselves into... Because people are saying, you can't get into St. Thomas. And they said, we'll go and be slaves with them in order to share the gospel of Jesus. So right about that same time, when they're getting ready to go, the Moravians, they start a prayer meeting. Hernhut literally means the Lord's watch. That's what Hernhut, this is the place where they, this community they developed, and it's uh, Hernhut. And so they started a prayer meeting that, that was 24 hours a day and lasted for the next 100 years. And in that time, they changed the world. I mean, they, they literally change the world. Dober and Nitchman get on a ship head, heading for St. Thomas. And, uh, and uh, the, the thing they shout out is, may the lamb who was slain receive the reward of his suffering. 
So everybody's waving goodbye at them, and they're shouting that. And it became like this motto for the Moravian movement. And in the next 30 years, the Moravians, just before, so Zinzendorf died in 1760. In those next 30 years, Zinzen, they send out 232 missionaries from one church. And they changed the world. You've heard, you know, some people may know this, but William Carey is said to be the father of modern missions. But these guys were doing this 60 years before William Carey got going. And this is, this is it. And it's a church. And just some brothers and sisters who catch a vision for loving Jesus, they did. They wrote all these songs. May the Lord start stirring up songs in our midst. Zinzendorf wrote 200 of the 900 hymns in the first hymnal. I mean, he loved Jesus. And they, a lot of stuff about his wounds. They were really fixated on the cross. But I mean, it was powerful, powerful stuff. And just revival is marked by music. So all of that's happening. And, and they're touching literally the nations. They go to all these different places. Um, several famous paintings were, were done of them because they, they wanted to... Uh, they wanted to have first fruits in all these different nations. And so there's this painting that's done a few different times where Zinzendorf is preaching and there's all these different peoples from different nations standing there receiving the Lord and lights on them. It's called first fruits. And there's a number of, number of those. But just think about, they came over to America and did all kinds of stuff. Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, that's the Moravians. Wachovia, that, that whole area of North Carolina was, that was originally a Moravian settlement trying to reach Indians. The Mohicans were reached by them, all these different groups. Uh, I need to wrap this up, but uh, one more. John Wesley. Okay, so John Wesley goes to Hernhut and he's blown away. He's like, surely this is the New Testament church being lived out on, on, on the earth. And he goes back and he sees how they do groups and small groups and all this stuff. He takes that back to England and he goes and meets with some more Moravians at a church called Aldersgate. And while he's there, his heart is strangely warmed and he receives the Lord and gets, gets saved. And he basically takes what he learns from the Moravians, applies it in Methodism, the Methodists, and the Great Awakening happens. Isn't that cool? You know, so I want to be, I want us to be in that flow. In that, in that flow of who those Moravians, to live at that intersection of Jesus and His people and the mission that we're called to. You know, that's what, that's what we want to do. That's who we want to be. You know, and so the disciples, they were called Christians first at Antioch, that we would be this kind of people that have so much reality. I long for that. I, I've been longing for it. I'm still longing for it. May 2018 open it up for us even more. You know, in the Antioch movement right now, we're getting to see a number of different huge church planting streams of people coming to the Lord in droves. You know, and I, some of you guys know about what's going on in the Middle East, but we just had uh, Chris and Rebecca with us, two longtime missionary friends and uh, they were with us at the discipleship school this past Monday night and just telling their story. And, you know, it's a powerful story about a calling. They're at World Mandate, which is coming up, and getting a call to go reach uh, Muslims and to reach Palestinians. And uh, so they end up in the West Bank for a number of years, have to be evacuated. It's, da it's dangerous. And they, I mean, their story is, it's, it's crazy. It's not like, you know, going to... It's not, it's not like Monday in Fort Worth, tomorrow morning. 
You know, there's tanks rolling down, jets flying over, it's supersonic. You know, it's one thing to have cars, well, kind of, you know, but to hit, have a sound wave cone hit the building and rock it like it's going to fall apart is intimidating, right? And so, so there they are, and, uh, and they ultimately get evacuated out of there, and they go to another little uh, Middle East country, and, and so it's been seven years now. Seven years they've been there, and they've had zero, anybody, zero, come to the Lord. So it's a lot of this journey, you guys, is perseverance. It's keeping on with loving Jesus. It's doing the little things with consistency, you know, and then all of a sudden they're in the middle of a breakthrough. People start coming to the Lord. They're, 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 they're leading disciples to Jesus, you know, and they get this one key guy who's a, who's a political leader and he's got a few disciples with him already, but he says, will you disciple me? And they end up discipling this guy and it explodes, like it just starts doubling by the month, you know, and people are coming to the Lord and just tens of thousands baptized. And it has never happened in the history since Islam's been in existence, the 1400 years. This is the first church planting movement in the Arab speaking world right there. So it's, it's historic in every single way you could say historic. Um, I was with a, a guy who documents this kind of stuff back in May up in New York City. His name's David Garrison. And he'd written a book, and it had, it's called A Wind in the House of Islam. And he's documenting all these different movements around the world that are happening of, of, of movements to Jesus Christ among Muslim background people. And he literally has Chris M., thanks to Chris M., who's telling his story in the front of, and Trey G., in the front of that, in the front of that book, you know. And so it's, it's a big deal. That's what we get to be a part of. That's what this intersection looks like. Jesus, His people, and the mission. And we want to do that here. Not just, it's not just somebody else, somebody far away. It's us. And that's why we do what we do. I mean, we want to see disciples making disciples. We want to see life groups multiplying life groups. We want to see this church multiplying. The fruit of a healthy church is to give birth to other churches, not just to make individual Christians. It's to go do the seed somewhere that becomes a tree that has lots of fruit that gives birth to other seeds that does that all over the world. So, I mean, we want to be smack dab in the middle of that thing. And so to do that, that's the intersection of Acts. It's the Acts-Antioch 11 intersection. It's the Moravian intersection. And it's just, we want to claim that for ourselves, that it would be our place, the longing of our hearts of love for Jesus, love for His people, and love for what He's doing in the nations of the earth. Anybody in on that? So the more that that starts to converge in our lives, the more that reality will actually be seen. So that we're not just Jesus only. We're not just the church only. We're not just the mission and everybody's doing it wrong and I've got it right. We're going we're gonna to come humbly in those things, working it together where Jesus, His life in the church is really being seen. That we've really got some church life here that's worth reproducing in other parts of the world. That's real and life-giving and multiplying. And that's, that's, man, I long for that. So I think about the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. What's he want to do with you? What's, what's God wanting to do with, with you and with us together? The disciples, they got this, we got a new name, you know, Antioch Fort Worth. But he wants to give you a name. He wants to, 
just rock things in your world so that you are really walking with Him, that you're His. You're my beloved. And I've got a plan and a purpose and a destiny for each and every single one of you and for us together as a people. And it's going to be, man, it's going to be awesome. We're not done. He's not just, just look at the person next to you. It's awkward. It's less awkward if you're married. But now tell him, hey, he's not done with you yet. He's not done with you yet. And one more before we pray, one more before we pray is we are coming into something. We are coming into something. Say it. We're coming into something. You're coming into something. Amen. Let's stand up. Worship team, come on up. Ministry team, come. And so if you're new or visiting with us, we take a little bit of time at the end of each end of each service and just we want to respond to God. And just a lot of times when we hear the word preached, it's just like there's something, it may have been something I said, or whoever the speaker is, something we said, but then sometimes it's really specific to you. Just just an impression, just like uh, man, I that that devotion to Jesus. That's, that's for me. I want to I establish that in my life this year or, or loving others well. I want to see people. I want to have some white around the words of my life so that I, there's some space for people in my life. I want to do that. Or I, I want to engage with the mission or something come flowing out of world mandate. We've got tons of, of short-term mission trips happening. You know, we want to engage in our hearts and in our lives as, as people, as Christians, as disciples. So wherever you're at, just I, I want to just pray into the longing in your heart. If, you don't, if the longing's not there, then say, Lord, would you stir that desire? Would you stir that desire for what stirs your heart? I want to be right in the middle of that. So Father, meet us today, whatever the need of our heart is, the longing. And Lord, in 2018, as, as Antioch, Fort Worth, we want to press in, forward, further in and higher up with you. And we want to live at the intersection of devotion. This worry that's just so just stirred up in my heart right now, devotion. We want to live right there. Devotion to you, one another, and those who don't know. Join in your mission to the world around us. Amen. Hey guys, whatever your need is, just even if it's something different totally than what I'm saying, I mean, if you need healing, or you're going through a hard time, please don't leave without getting somebody to pray for you. What happens right here? just powerfully changes lives. God answers prayer. And so He can just touch your situation, whatever it is, however you need to press in. Let's go for it. we got some time. Let's pray. Amen.